This week's John Tapp Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. Tim Clark is an unflappable kind of a bloke on and off the racetrack. In fact, Randwick trainer Les Bridge told me recently that Clark's just as composed in a Group 1 at Randwick as he is in a Wyong maiden. Maybe it's the country boy in his makeup. Tim was reared on a farm between Young and Tamora, and he did the early part of his apprenticeship with respected trainer Peter Clancy at Leeton in the Riverina, transferring to John O'Shea for the last 18 months. He had a good, successful stint in Hong Kong where he rode 58 winners in two seasons against some of the world's best jockeys and one of those wins was a Group 1. At home, of course, his win in the flight stakes on Saturday makes it Group 1 win number 11 in Australia and he is firmly entrenched among Sydney's upper echelon. Tim has developed a riding style which makes him very identifiable, particularly in a close finish. We'll talk to him about the style and a lot of other things because he joins us on the podcast. Congratulations on yet another Group 1 in the flight stakes, Tim. Thanks, John. Delighted to be talking to you. Did you think you'd won? Four horses hit the line together. I, I thought I'd, I thought I had, but um, obviously being that close, it's uh, you don't want to um, be, be too confident just in case your number doesn't go up, but I, I thought I'd just got there in the nick of time mm. and um thankfully she uh yeah she did put in a, a big lunge that that last stride and really uh really stuck her head out for me it was her first win tim and yet she'd won over a million dollars i think arguably the best maiden into australia going into the race on saturday yeah that's right that was the um that was the tag that she's had so um it's obviously nice to to get rid of that tag, that maiden tag. And she'd obviously been very consistent as a two-year-old running group one placings in, you know, all, all the biggest two-year-old races. So um, uh, just a, a great thrill to, to be able to, to get, her, get her over the line first and get rid of that maiden tag and, and even better to do it in a, in a big group one. You rode shoals in the Premier Stakes going under by inches to stablemate Santa Ana Lane. You wouldn't swap shoals for any other ride in the Everest, surely? No, not at all. Absolutely wrapped with that run. And, and you know, she didn't get the result, but uh, for me it was it was as good as a win, the, the run she produced. So she's definitely on track for the Everest. And, um, you know, she showed that, uh, you know, a, a high-pressure race at 1,200 at Randwick going to suit her down to the ground. And if uh, if there's any rain about, that's only going to enhance her chances. So. Uh, no, she's uh, she's going to be going into the race. One of the, one of the main main chances. Tim, was she having a little puff and a huff as you pulled up uh, in the race on Saturday? Yeah, look, she's um, she's not very sort of tall, but she's a pretty robust little filly, and uh, you know it, it takes her a, a couple of runs to to reach her peak. And I think most of them horses going to that race on Saturday, although they were. They were there to win and, and were forward enough to win. I think uh, most of the trainers would have obviously had the Everest in mind and, you know, there, there might be a, a small bit of improvement in them. Um, I think, you know, that probably goes for, for most of the most of the horses here, there yesterday. But uh, she's uh, she's coming up in great order and it looks as though uh, Anthony Friedman and his team's got both, both of their horses uh, ready to peak on Everest Day. 
You did something very unusual last week. You made a lightning trip to Melbourne to ride a grey filly called Graysville Glamour uh, in the Oaks trial at Flemington. Now, Tim, I don't know uh, about the strength of the opposition, but didn't she put them away? Yeah, no, she did. She's um, she always, she's a filly that I've had uh, a, a bit to do with, and you know, she's always been a just a pleasure to ride, and you know, she gives her all, tries a hundred percent every time she goes out, and yeah, it was obviously um, you know, that race gave her uh, exempt from ballot into the oak, so mm. you know, it's a race that Mark uh, had picked out some time ago, and um. You know, when he when he said he was after a new uh, her game run at Newcastle, when she ran third, um, the boys beat a couple of boys beat her home there. But, mm. You know, she was going down to a back to a Phillies race. I thought that uh, it'd be a worthwhile operation to go down there, and um, it, it proved to be right with uh, a strong win. And now, you know, looks one of the leading players for the for the Oaks coming up in in Melbourne. And the big thing in your favour, Tim, is that you know she's going to relax. It's very unlikely she'll get fired up over the longer trip. No, that's right. She's uh, she's absolutely uh, brilliant to ride in a race. Makes my job really easy. She um, you can she's got tactical speed. You can put her into the race, but then she'll uh, she'll drop the bit and relax. And hmm. um, you know, I think that uh, that's gonna. Horses that relax and get into a rhythm and, and get their breathing right over over them longer journeys goes a long way into them, um, you know, being being competitive. You've perfected a style in the last six to twelve months, which really stands you out. You get very low behind a horse's neck with a flat, straight back. And somehow you seem to get them to extend in these tight finishes, such as we saw in the flight stakes on Saturday. I guess it's hard to explain, Tim, but you've been working on this, haven't you? Well, it's something, you know, like uh, close finishes. There's nothing worse than getting beaten in a close finish. You know, you'd rather get beat a length or two than, than a nose. So I suppose it's one of those things where you're just trying to to do anything you can to, to get them over the line and, um, yeah, no. I'll often, I'll often um, either put, put the whip away or, or not hit them the last few strides and really try and, um, push push their heads down so they you know they can mm. they try and get that last bob in. So probably helps with my my stature that uh, I can sort of get right down in behind them and mm. and uh, and give them a bit of a shove and, and try and help them over the line. You had a very happy apprenticeship with Peter Clancy at Leeton. And he and his late wife Nerida treated you like family, didn't they? They did, and yeah, you know, my my brother he'd he'd done his apprenticeship at, um, with them also a, a few years before me, and um, you know that got me interested. And um, you know, any time I'd I'd gone down there in the school holidays while I was still at school, and it was um, it's a good environment. And yeah, when it, when it was time to to do my apprenticeship, um, it was a uh, there was only one place I was going to go, and yeah, they they treated me like a, a son, and um, you know they're they're two of the nicest people you'll meet in racing, and um, I think that that uh, early early um, part of my my career being with them um, has definitely made uh, definitely made um, myself a you know a, a probably a you know 
really helped me in my apprenticeship and, and got me off on, on the right right path. Mm. And um, you know, I'm very, very thankful and grateful for them for, for looking after me so much. And, um, you know, I still speak to, to Pete regularly and, um, you know, he was one of the first to call me after I won the group one yesterday, like he always is. So, mm. um, yeah, no, I, I have um, a lot of a lot of time for the, the, the whole family. Your brother Brad wrote his share of winners, uh, Tim, but he's out of the business now. He's given it away. Yeah, he um, he, he's recently hung up the race race breaches, and um, he's still involved in the industry, which is good because he's he's got great knowledge, and you know he's helping the the apprentices down in that area and around Wagga Wagga where he where he lives and. Um, he also uh, still runs track work, so he, he keeps pretty active. And as I said, it, um, I'm sure that um, it would have been a loss to the industry if he had a had a not been still involved. So um, he had a he had a pretty successful career, but it, he um, yeah he he's decided to to give it away at the moment. Does the name Tactica mean anything to you? Yeah, Tactica was um, a horse that uh, rode my first winner at Gundagai on. I think I might have even rode him um, in one of my f- first barrier trials to get a ticket. But, um, mm. yeah, he was my um, my first winner at a, on a rainy day at, at Gundagai on, on um, Snake Gully Cup Day. Mm. That was 2004. Um, in fact, November 2004, and it wasn't too long after that when you rode your first Metropolitan winner at a Canterbury night meeting and the horse was called Snippity Day. Yeah, a, a, a really fast, a really fast little filly, um, and and she was able to uh, to lead all the way at Canterbury. Um, she she was a, a probably a, a perfect kind of horse for an apprentice. Mm. Um, apprentice, uh, of course, she she jumped, jumped fast, made her own luck, and and uh, yeah, you didn't have to didn't have to um, think about things too much and overcomplicate it. So, yeah, she was a game little little filly and, and um, a horse that I'd, I'd had a bit of, bit of success on throughout my career. For a boy from the bush, the move to the big city to John O'Shea's stables must have been a pretty daunting thing. Um, yeah, obviously it, it was a big move and uh, it was obviously important to – to, to go to a stable that I thought was going to be able to, to help me and, and you know, that, that decision in itself, which stable to go to, you know, I did have a – I was in a position where I was going quite well in, in the country and, and there were a couple of stables um, looking for apprentices at the time. So I think that that, that decision in itself was a, a difficult one. But, um, you know, John was John was terrific. He, he – uh, he, he showed plenty of faith in me in the in the early days, and mm. um, you know I've ridden, ridden many winners for him, and, and continue to, to ride for him. So he was, um, you know, he's a he was a tough tough taskmaster, but but um, but very fair as well. So if you mm. if you got in and done the work, um, the rewards were there, and you know he was uh, he was definitely a, a good good person to have on your side and, and behind you supporting you. Tim Martin paid you a very high compliment in 2008 when he threw you on a very smart sprinter called Typhoon Z. In fact, your very first ride on the horse was in an Oakley plate, out of a place but not far away. Yeah, that's right. He um, 
<laughs> he only had a, a, a very light weight in the Oakley plate. So, um, yeah, Tim asked me if, if I'd be interested in riding him. And although we didn't get the results uh, that day in Melbourne, um, I was able to retain the ride for the for the Galaxy. And um, mm. obviously, uh, yeah, that was a, a massive thrill. Um, my first, first Group 1 winner. You had two rides on a mare called Sacred Choice. You ran second in the Queen Elizabeth and you won the Doncaster for Joe Pride. Uh, yeah, she was um, she was uh, one of the the best uh, wet trackers I've ever ridden, I think. And um, the day she won the Doncaster, it was it was very wet and heavy, and um, she just relished the conditions. And um, she, I think, she then went on to to win a Maya Classic in Melbourne in, un, under um, like Corey Brown in, in you know, horrendous conditions as well. So she got the conditions, right conditions on the day, but she was obviously a, a very talented mare and, and um, you know, to win a, a, an iconic race at Randwick where I'd sort of done my apprenticeship and 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 watched, watched many, many, you know, big mile races from Randwick and mm. to be able to... Uh, to win a Doncaster was, um, yeah, it was a it was a great feeling, and um, she was, uh, yeah, she was a very, very, very talented mare on a day. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. Tim, a filly came into your life in 2006. Destined to be the horse to really propel you into the big time. You won 14 races on Hot Danish and two of those were Group 1s. I mean, 14 wins. It is so hard for a horse in this day and age to win three or four races. 14 is quite amazing. Yeah, she was, um, yeah, she was some horse, and still to, to this day, you know, you know my, my absolute favourite. And, um, mm. you know, because of, because of not only what she did on the racetrack, but what she did for, for my career in general. Yeah. And, yeah, she was a lovely, big, strong mare, um, and yeah, she just every every carnival she was um, she was able to come up and 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 win win a couple of good races and 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 really keep my my name in the spotlight. Um, yeah, she was she took a while to to break break her, her group one and get a group one that she much much deserved. She was hindered by uh, by wet tracks on on some occasions, mm. and um, but yeah, um, the, whenever I if I ever see a replay for her winning that all age, yeah, the, the hairs on the back of the neck stand up, and yeah, yeah she gives me great pride. Tim, she wasn't the same mare <clears throat> on the rain affected ground. Les Bridge was telling me she ran in two Doncasters. And on both occasions, she looked to be a big hope coming up the rise, but she couldn't let down the way she did on a firm track. No, that's right. She it just it just dulled her acceleration, and um, it just yeah, just slowed her, brought her back to the field. Unfortunately, and I think she um she ran second in a 
in in a couple of the the big mares races at Rose Hill, uh, the, the Coolmore and the, the Queen mm. of the Turf. I've been wanting a second in each, but she um they were probably the two main ones that that got away. If if she got beat by two really good wet trackers, and if yeah if the tracks had been dry on them occasions. Um, there would have been uh, definitely two more Group 1s next to her name. It was a devastating blow to her many owners, to Les Bridge and yourself, when she developed a massive infection in a hind leg and the vets just couldn't get her right and she died in the vet clinic at Randwick. Yeah, really sad. Um, you know, we, it was funny, it was quite ironic that... Um, I'd, I'd happen to obviously ride her and a couple of Doncasters and, and not be able to win, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd won the, the Doncaster on, on Sacred Choice, as you mentioned before, John. And, mm. um, it was the next day, actually, that uh, the owners rang me. So it was quite ironic that she uh, maybe she was waiting for me to, to win one before she before she went, but extremely sad for the owners um, and, and everyone involved that, you know, her, her racing career was over, which which I think everyone you know was happy to accept. But you know, it would have been lovely to, to see her go to the breeding barn and and hopefully produce a good horse. But um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Well, Tim, with Hot Danish no longer in your life, you decided to take up a contract to ride in Hong Kong, um, and you had a pretty good time there, as we said, fifty eight winners in two seasons. I should point out at this stage that your wife, Jade, is a sister to Josh Parr. And at the time you went to Hong Kong, you and Jade had a little girl called Ellie who was only 18 months old. Yeah, um, you know, the, the Hong Kong Jockey Club approached me and, um, I, I, you know, it's obviously a place where where most jockeys um, – you know, have a desire to, to ride in, in, in that sort of that environment, that, that jurisdiction, you know, it's it's extremely it's known for, you know, how, how tough and challenging it is. And um yeah, I went over there, you know, uh, at a at a young age to, to really challenge myself and um you know I had had good success without you know without setting the world on fire, but I had good success and and, and was able to win a group one and um I suppose being with my, our daughter only, Jade and I, you know, Ellie was only young. She wasn't in school, so it was a it was a time that we could could sort of go over there and, and, and before Ellie started school. And, um, yeah, I was never had any ambitions on staying uh, a long time. But, um, mm. you know, a, a couple of seasons over there was, was fantastic and um, it's a it's a different, different beast altogether and, you know, something that I, I enjoyed the challenge. And yeah, they you know it, it it sort of does you know make does make you a, a better rider um, for for going over there. That's what um, you know you ask anyone any trainers or, or or jockeys that have been there and or that are, that watch and the development of a, a jockey when they go over there and, and when they come back it it, it really sharpens you up. Douglas White, uh, the expatriate South African, was still riding at his absolute best at the time. Zach Purton didn't take long to hit his straps. And Darren Biedman was very firmly entrenched among the top riders. In fact, I think it's fair to say he was probably your role model in Hong Kong, wasn't he, Darren? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, he was 
even when I was an apprentice in Sydney, he was dominant. Darren, when he was riding for for Woodland Stud, and he um <coughs> he went to Hong Kong to to be stable rider for John Moore. And I was um I did a bit of riding for John myself when I was over there, and yeah, just um yeah, he was great to watch Darren. He he, he didn't ride as many winners as as uh, the other guys, but um. Yeah, you know, he he was obviously linked to a, a one stable more so than you know where they were freelance and mm. um but he was he was great to watch and you know I, I thought uh yeah at, at the time if it was um yeah no he was one that I definitely um sort of studied and 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 watched and and how he is a he is a great rider and obviously um bit of a shame he's he he wasn't able to continue riding for for a bit longer because he definitely had had plenty more to offer. As much as you enjoyed Hong Kong, you were glad to get back to Sydney and regenerate your career here. Uh, you must be very happy with the way things are going, and you've had a few nice horses along the way, Tim, to get you back into the Sydney way of life. Avoid Lightning was one of them. Uh, what a bonnie mare. She loved a rain-affected track. You won a Group 3 on her, the birthday card, and the Nivison was also a Group 3. You won a June Stakes, uh, a Sapphire, and she ran twice. I think she was placed in the Tats Tiara in Brisbane. Yeah, she um, she wouldn't have won a, uh, a, a an award for best looking horse, John. That's for sure. She was mm. she had a, a big sway back, and and definitely wasn't the, the prettiest little mare to look at. But she was all heart, and um, she come to to Les's stable as a as a a, a race. She'd already had been been. Yeah, you know, had a dozen odd starts, and she had quite a quite a good record early in the career, but it had gone off the boil a bit. But um, Les was able to, like he does with so many, turn turn them around. And yeah, we had we had great fun with her for for a couple of seasons. And as you said, she uh, she loved the the rain affected tracks, and um, went up. Yeah, she was placed twice in Group One, so she done a great job for for the stable. And um, yeah, she was a she was a little beauty to ride. You won a Group 1 on the Gary Moore train takedown, but you had to go to Perth to do it. The Winterbottom Stakes, a great old race. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone more more that, that gets more enjoyment out of winning a race than Gary, <laughs> uh, especially a Group 1. Um, yeah, no, he's, a, he's great for racing. He's an he's a iconic character, and, um, yeah, he's he'd done a great job with takedown. He, you know, he's a lovely, big, kind horse. He was... He's probably one of the biggest horses that I've ridden, and um, mm. but but one of the kindest is as well. He was is a is a gentle giant, and um, that was my first first day ever of of riding in Perth. I'd, I'd never ridden there before, and um, I, I rode a, a couple of winners earlier in the day, and and uh, yeah, that takedown was able to to stick his big head out in time and, and win the Group One, and and. Um, yeah, Gary met me halfway up the up the track on the on the way back to, to congratulate me. There's a he goes off some, his face, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. He loves it. There's um there are, there's some great photos of of him and 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 I embracing and with the horse and that. So it's um yeah, it's it's always good fun and um when you ride when you ride for Gary and to get a group one win for him was yeah. uh, terrific. I've often wondered how his late father uh, would have viewed antics of that nature. Uh, George was very conservative. Uh, he'd wave to the crowd and there'd be a big grin on his face when he came back on, on a Group 1 winner, but I never once saw him do a somersault. 
No, no, that's right. He's, uh, as, yeah, he's, he's very much a, a different, uh, different kind of guy, and he's a different character. But I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, racing probably needs needs a few more people Absolutely. like Gary, and, and yep. you know that that really they enjoy the they enjoy the sport, and they enjoy joy when they enjoy it when they get the, the success. That win on Uhud on Saturday wasn't your first win in the flight stakes. Uh, that was a filly called Global Glamour. I think it was your first ride on her. Yeah, um, she was my first Global Glamour. It took me a while to um, to, to get a Group 1 win back in Australia after my stint in, in Hong Kong, and, and she was the first one. Um, she won the flight stakes. That was sort of two years ago, um, two years ago yesterday. So... Um, uh, nice mare that that had been racing well, um, but was having a few issues in the barriers. And um, Gay and Adrian put a, uh, I think they put a barrier blanket on her, and it just helped her. And she was able to dictate and, uh, as as that stable their their horses are. She was um, she got her own way in front, and she was they were, they were unable to run her down. And that sort of probably started what has been a, a great great association with Gay and Adrian over the last few years. Um, I was doing uh, doing plenty of riding for them, but, um, you know, a win like that really, really helped me along and we've had um, plenty of success uh, but over the last couple of years. They're great supporters of mine. Tim, not a, everybody realises that you live on the Central Coast, as does Josh Parr, but you still make the effort to get to Randwick two days a week. And uh, I think you write a lot of work for Gay and for your old mate, Les Bridge. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Josh, he's, he's originally from up the Central Coast and obviously being married to his sister, they, they, their family are all up this way. They're a very close family. And, yeah, we decided to, to make the move up here and um, uh, we've got a great uh, – it's a great spot up here to live and, and to raise, to raise um, our daughter and – yeah, I, you know, it, obviously that means that yes, we we do have to do a, a bit of commuting, but um, you know, for we 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 um we're at, we're able to to go together uh, to the races and to track work quite often, and um, yeah, I, I still get to Randwick a couple of mornings a week um to ride out for for Les and and Gay and, and a few of the other trainers there, um. And you know that's I get a lot of my support from from the Randwick based trainers and um, yeah I try and get there and 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 do as much as I can and um, you know at, at the moment it, it's paying dividends. Your weight isn't a problem at all. I mean, fifty four on your ear, fifty three with a little bit of notice, even lighter with a good bit of notice. Yeah, that's right. I I, I do. Um, I, I, I I'm very lucky in that that respect, John. That um, you know I see uh, you know I see firsthand how hard like like Josh does it, and and the other you know and you know there's plenty of other guys like him as well. And um, yeah, I'm very fortunate that uh, my weight isn't too much of an issue, and I can I can ride light. Not only does it does it uh, you know you're not going to the races feeling too too dehydrated but it also mm. you know gives me a lot more opportunity being able to ride light there's there's a lot of lightweight rides and um you know i'm i'm able to to get down to them lightweight so i'm, I'm very I, i'm very lucky in that that instance and I, I don't know if i could 
I could be a jockey if, you know, if I had to go through what, what a few of the other guys do. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd be able to do it. So it's, um, mm. you know, them them guys that, that do it tough, um, yeah, they, they deserve every success they get. You've had a popular nickname for quite a long time now based on a very famous uh, animated character on television way back, I think, in the 1960s. And this is because of your initials, TC. You're often called Top Cat after that famous character who was a back alley hustler in New York. Now, Tim, I don't think you'd be hustling those other jockeys in the jockey's room, but you're sure hustling them out on the track. Yeah, I'm not sure where. I think um, it could have been that Brenton Abdullah that, that sort of come up with that one. I'm not sure. Obviously, yeah, through my initials and yeah. I had my initials on my silks, but it yeah. it's uh, it's one of those ones that that stuck that stuck with me. And um, <laughs> it could be it could be worse. They could they could be calling me a lot of, lot lot worse than that. So I'll 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 run with that one at the moment. You're riding in the toughest arena in Australia. You must look around sometimes in that jockey's room in Sydney and think, boy, this is hot opposition. Uh, you've got to be right up to the mark. You've got to be fit. You've got to be committed, or one of those blokes will be straight under your neck. Yeah, uh, 100%, John. I think at the moment it, it's as tough tough uh, as, as it ever has been in Sydney, especially in, in my time. Um, you know, the, the depth of riders um, is incredible, and, yeah, you could go into the room and, and – throw the colours to any number of, you know, uh, up to a dozen riders and, and know that, you know, your horse is going to be ridden well and, and, and given every chance. And, um, I, and I think that that also, um, you know, it, it drives you a little bit more as well to to succeed knowing how, how tough it is. And I think that when you when you do have success, like yesterday in the flight stakes, it, mm. it, um, it gives you that bit of extra satisfaction knowing that you you're doing it against, you know, some of the best jockeys in the world in, in one of the hardest environments in the world. You mentioned your brother Brad earlier. He's now living in Wagga, still riding track work. But you're one of six. Uh, your siblings are scattered all over the place. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the baby of the family. And, um, yeah, I've got uh, three older brothers, including Brad and, and two sisters. So, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all over the place and, and – you know, all, all, um, all quite, quite successful in, in, in what path they've chosen to do. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I'm very proud of, of, of them and I think they're, they're proud of me and, and follow my career as well. So, um, uh, Are mum and dad still on the land, Tim, or have they moved into town? Yeah, they, they've moved to, to Canberra uh, a few, oh, quite a few years ago now. Yeah, they've re- retired off the farm. Um, it, uh, it's not easy going that that farm life that's for oh, sure and um yeah i think they they'd done it for long enough tim it's been an absolute delight to catch up on the podcast thanks for your time and i hope you have a terrific spring carnival you've got a few good chances you're on shoals in the everest that gray filly of mark newnham's could be a real uh, live chance in some of those big fillies races in melbourne yeah very much looking forward to the to the spring ahead john and uh, uh it's been It's been great to to chat with you. Thanks, Tim. Catch up. Bye-bye. 
For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field.